You're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second will be, I say, Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. It's the second of two podcasts this week. Earlier this week, we had Larry Fitzgerald on Cardinals Cam and Ben Roethlisberger, the new graduate from uh, Miami of Ohio. He finally got his degree. He joined us on the phone. That was a great podcast. We should uh, have you download that and download the entire library on iTunes or however you download this show. Uh, I have uh, my two trusty producers at the mic. Chris Law, good to see you, sir. Richard, always a pleasure. Chris Brockman, good to see you, sir. Rich, great as well. And uh, Law, you you uh, you booked this guest, didn't you? Yeah, on the um, show. I'm I'm excited for for Pete Berg. Obviously, a huge Friday Night Lights fan. Me too. Um, he's done. He did Hancock, and the sequel to that's coming out. But I got to say, my all time favorite is uh, he played Dexter Rutecki in Aspen Extreme. <laughs> Aspen Extreme. <laughs> and to this day, anytime I go on a ski trip. Uh, I watched two movies before I go. One was the critically acclaimed Hot Dog the Movie that I mentioned to you. Critically acclaimed. Yes. And uh, Aspen Extreme. Just... Hot Dog the Movie, not to be misconstrued with Hamburger the Motion Picture. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or, or Porky's don't, or any of that. Don't exactly. mix them up. Don't mix them <laughs> but, up. Uh, yeah, well, so I, I don't friend. know if I'm going to ask Pete uh, Berg uh, an Aspen Extreme question. I mean, there's a lot of serious stuff he likes. That stuff. He's got yeah, on his yeah. plate here. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 integrally involved in the process of trying to get the f- game of football safer in the youth football ranks. Yep. And, um, you know, and he's got uh, uh, um, a connection with the wounded warriors as well. And he, he put, he put one of the, uh, one of the wounded warriors that he, that he knows through the New York giants in battleship, which is the movie that he's coming in to talk about as well. It's the new blockbuster film from universal pictures. Battleship opening May 18th. Liam Neeson, Taylor Kitsch, Riggins, Riggo from Friday Night Lights. What would Riggins do? Um, A big reason why my wife liked Friday Night Lights. Well, a lot of the ladies (laughs) love themselves from Tim Riggins. Um, Rihanna is in his film. Her first movie? Yeah, apparently. We'll ask him about that. That I will ask him about. Uh, Brooklyn Decker and, and Landry. How do you Jesse like Plemons from him and, him and Friday Night Lights. Just, they're great. So they're they're all they're all in this film and um again I, I mean how great is Friday Night Lights? It, it's one of my all time favorite shows. Me too. So there's lots to talk about with Pete Berg. Let's get right down to the director of Battleship. It has been eight years since this man was on NFL Network. He came on and picked games on NFL Total Access back in the day, and life has certainly changed for my next guest. His new film, Battleship, that he has directed, opens at a theater you May 18th. He is also the man who brought the stellar Friday Night Lights not only to the silver screen, but also to television. And for that, Peter Berg, I am always... Thankful Thank you. of that. Thank that is you. some great stuff, and uh, I am pleased to have you on this podcast. It's my favorite place in the world. All we do is watch NFL and channel in my house. So that's good. This is good for me, and, and we watch your podcast. So. Terrific. Well, thank you for saying I that. Feel very happy to be here. And and, and also, you are uh, deep into the issue of concussions and football. It is something that uh, you spend a lot of time thinking about and, and trying to. Correct at the youth football level. There's lots to talk with you about, uh, but let's start with your beloved Giants. Let's start with that, since Man. they are the defending Super Bowl champions. I have bragging rights. This you, you should sure my do. house now. I, you know, the thing that frustrates me a little bit is, you know, I, as a kid, I grew up with my father being a rabid Giants fan, and we would go watch the Giants play at Yankee Stadium, and they were horrible. And I, I don't think I ever saw the Giants in the playoffs. And my son who's now 12, have seen, has been to two Super Bowls and yeah. seen his team win two Super Bowls. And his head is uh, <laughs> is just, like, he doesn't understand right. what it means to, to suffer, to really suffer with the football team. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm happy, couldn't be happier for the Giants. 
Uh, but but my son doesn't understand what it can, how bad it can be. Yeah, he he doesn't have the heartbreak oh. truly instilled. I mean, the two magical runs that they have been on with their two Super Bowl wins. No, it's unbelievable. Two two incredible wins over Brady. Uh, really, two remarkable passes. Uh, you know, very similar games, and we were there for both. And um, uh, the you know the Tyree catch and the Manningham catch were both you know just preposterous plays right and uh way to put it um so the whole you know he he walks around now telling me that you you just have to expect to win in life dad expect to win and he said to me um when the giants were had started that final drive before the manningham catch he looked at me and you know and for anyone that was at that super bowl people like oh that must have been fun well, there's nothing fun about, you know, it's it's just you and Patriots fans screaming in each other's faces. <laughs> Nobody's having fun. And at, at one point uh, uh, when um, uh, Brady threw the interception to Gronkowski, couldn't get to it. Yeah, Blackburn, Blackburn was all the way back off. there, right? So all of a sudden I heard this moaning and a Patriots fan behind me had fallen to the ground and was literally having a seizure and was holding on to his beer. And, oh, my goodness. And Emmett and I, my son, were looking at him. We're trying to help him up. And his friend said, no, no, this happens to him all the time. He'll be, he'll be okay. <laughs> and the dude had a seizure. And, like, there's nothing fun about being at that game. You know, it was it – was, It's uh, nerve-wracking. It's, it's very, very stressful. Well, Patriot fans are, are thinking, oh, no, not again. And Giant fans are thinking, can we actually do, do this it. And again? Then, and everyone's thinking, man, I've flown all the way out here. I'm in Indianapolis. It's been raining. You know, mm-hmm. Indianapolis did a great job. But everyone was there knows it was mm-hmm. pretty rough. It was pouring rain. It right. was – packed that day you know yeah and right. so to, to be you start thinking at a certain point oh my god how am i going to live with the flight home with getting out of here if we yeah. lose and, well my, my brother-in-law is a huge patriot fan his name's scott schuster and he was at the game and he was he was at the game in arizona too and he was going to go hang on the set and watch the post game show with me yeah and and after that game, as we're getting set to go on the air, I look off to my right and I see him peripherally standing there. And I lit- I did with just two minutes ago. I got I unplugged and and had to give him a hug. Give him a hug, right? Yeah. And he said, "I I can't stay for this. I've just gotta I've gotta get out of here." You know, and that's that's it's, how well, it's, it's awful bizarre. it was for Patriot fans in in that Super Bowl. Well, what can't I find handle interesting it. too is like there's no apparent animosity between Giants fans and Patriots fans. At least I haven't encountered it. Well, it's because you've won two well, Super well, Bowls. Yeah, <laughs> but even then, on like, the good end of it, like there's no. I don't see a lot of uh, uh, gloating or bragging. I I saw a lot of like we kind of felt like we were at a funeral walking out and we, we gave the Patriots fans their respect and their distance. <laughs> Except for that one guy that gave it to Giselle. <laughs> Except when he gave it to Brady's yeah, wife. Yeah. That guy wasn't reading from your playbook. No, I, well, I'm not sure what he, I, first of all, I'm going records. I was on Giselle's side of that. Of course. Like anyone that Who, kept up, she it? handled herself. I thought, I thought so too. You know, mess with a Brazilian woman, first of all. I mean, I, <laughs> that's just like flat out, Basic common international common sense one on one, right? But yeah, I don't. And who I, heckles a supermodel anyway? I, I don't. I didn't really hear exactly what he said. I, I'll just chalk that to he probably just got so excited to be that close to her beauty that he said something <laughs> stupid. But I was like completely in her on her. Me too. Camp on Me that. too. I, well, you want you want uh, your, your woman your, standing up for yes. you. We wish we. I mean, that was like uh, apocalypto stuff. Remember apocalypto? Sure. Did you see that where the woman was in the hole <laughs> having to give birth and kill the animals and crawl out in the flood? God bless you, Peter Berg. That's the first apocalypto reference. Yeah. Not only in this podcast, but probably on NFL yeah. Network. Giselle went apocalypto there. So Fantastic. that's that's a woman. Um Battleship opening. Let's talk about your movie first, because uh, I know you want to get into some other stuff yeah. too. Battleship opening May 18th, 2012, a monster film for Universal that's coming up. Um based on the classic the game. board game. Hasbro board game. Been around right. for 80 years. Um my dad was a uh, a Marine, and he was a Navy historian. And mm-hmm. I was dragged to every Navy museum on Earth as a kid, and I hated it. And, you know, he would lecture me on the great battles of World War II, Germany and uh, the English and the Atlantic, and, you know, the sinking of the Bismarck and all kinds of smaller battles between the German subs and the, the English supply ships. And it was just all the great battles of the Atlantic and everything on the Pacific with America and Japan. And I hated it as a kid and then, like, you know, so many of us, you get older and you realize, well, you know what? My dad actually made sense and this has resonated. And so I, I've wanted to do a Navy film for a long time and haven't been able to find the right one. And usually they're too violent and depressing. And and uh, 
you know, that someone suggested the idea of, of Battleship and could I turn that into a film? And it was kind of intriguing to me um, uh, and as a, as a challenge. As, you know, I'm trying, okay, five ships against five ships, a limited battle environment. Well, who are on these ships and why are they fighting right. and who are they fighting? And it became this great creative exercise. Um, and uh, and I'm really, you know, proud of the film. It's It kicks ass. It's fun. You know, it's a, it's. I wanted to make a big global popcorn movie and uh i think that you know you know for my my standards i I love the film and well so far so good i mean it's crushing it internationally right now and uh i look forward to obviously opening domestically here so so rare that you you say to somebody when it's uh, an adapted film is it true to the game i mean because you say is it true to the book is it true to the play is it true to the musical whatever Uh, how 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 does the game? Well, that was one of the challenges. Get... You know, what can you take from this game? Yeah. To, to and how can you reference? And if you look at the ordinance, the easy ways are like the ordinance that the enemy is using. If you really look closely, they resemble the design of a peg. Okay, <laughs> and it takes a certain amount of those pieces, those ordinance to to hit one of our ships to sink a ship. So, mm-hmm. right, you know, that was that was the easy way. But one, one of the things that was interesting was. I asked the same question. How, how am I going to turn this seemingly random experience of me calling out numbers and you calling out numbers? How, how am I going to turn that into a, a visceral experience? And there's a guy, a uh, very smart man named Brian Goldner, who's the president of Hasbro. And I was talking to him about this. And he the said, game maker, Hasbro. The, ga- the uh-huh. game maker who, who owns, com- controls Battleship. He said, I want you to meet someone. I'm sending him out to Los Angeles. And he sent a woman who is a game toy psychiatrist. What? Yeah, and I never knew this job existed. And she studies how toys, certain games and certain toys take hold in a mind. And Battleship, is, is this woman said to me, has been around for over 85 years. Yeah. We'll be around longer. There is something there. And, and, and one of the things she said to me, was like, okay, if you and I are playing Battleship, and I say B2, you say Miss, you say J6, I say Miss, I say H4, you say Hit. Well, the second you say hit, something happens, and it's simple, but it's real. I now have found you, and I'm going to try and kill you as brutally and ruthlessly as, fast as, as possible, possible yeah. with no negotiation, right. no treaties. I got to get that. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You are now, and if you know you're trying to be killed, you're going to try and kill me back as quickly as possible. Right. So this anxiety gets going, and then as the game progresses and the board becomes smaller, the anxiety increases and a sense of desperation and near panic on a small level, but if you're sure. a young kid, it's large panic yeah. because you know you're about to be found and killed. Right. So it becomes something that is actually kind of cool DNA for a movie. So we tried to play around with that Fantastic. a little bit. Fantastic. So a game toy psychiatrist. psychiatrist. So, so, so does she have this paper on the mental effects of Candyland stashed away somewhere? Of Monopoly, of life, of tic tac toe, of trouble. <laughs> Get out of, of here. Of football, Sorry, but of she football. can tell you why football is as addictive as it is. Um, you know, football obviously football is an addictive experience, and and there there are many ways that that a, a game psychiatrist would could talk about the 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 main engines that are responsible for the addiction of any major sport. No, kidding. Yeah. And that so we you should have one on. Get you, one. I would love. That. I'm gonna. I'm, I think you just gave 32 NFL teams an idea. I'm sure. Let's get yeah. a game, a, a game, a toy game psychiatrist. Well, or you could just have it. Jerry Jones, and he could tell you most of them. That <laughs> dude, sure. you know, he knows. He Jerry, knows. Jerry understands. So um, interesting. That's fantastic. And then uh, you've you've got some uh, Friday Night Lights alums. Taylor Kitsch is in this film. Yep. You got Landry Jesse Plemons. Yep. In this Landry film, Landry and right? Riggins are, are buddies Landry in this film, and you know, I'm a. I love both of those guys, and I love working with people over and again, over again. So, as a as a nod to all our Friday Night Lights fans, those guys are in action together. Let me tell you something, Peter Berg, about Friday Night Lights. I mean, I've I've told you this off the air in the times that we we've crossed paths. Um, again, the film we we we've we've been there and done that. The television show, uh, I don't know if we've ever discussed that. Is it's a work of art. And I, 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 I truly mean this. And it's not because I'm a football guy or, you know, I talk football for a living. To me, the best scenes were between the coach and his wife, coach and his family, or the coach struggling with an idea mm-hmm. in regards to his players or his team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had the coach who was featured in the movie, the Emmy, the Oscar uh, winning Undefeated. He was sitting in the very chair yeah, in which you're great, sitting. Great documentary. We had him on, Coach Courtney. And I, I asked him the questions. It always seemed that that 
your coach was struggling with on the show. How do you think about stuff on the spot? How do you deal with stuff on the spot? Because you think coaches are infallible and they, they know exactly where they're going with each move. And even when things happen, adversity strikes, they always know the right chord to strike. No, they don't. They don't. And to me, that's what I loved about your television show. Yeah. And the chicks were hot. Obviously, that helped too. <laughs> but I mean, all of that together... Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't even have a question for you. It's just no, basically I, congratulations I, I on that. And uh, I have to give a. Whenever someone says that, I quit, I'm quick to give credit to uh, our showrunner Jason Kadams, who uh, you know is interesting because I couldn't. I, I did the pilot and I kind of gave birth to it, and I need someone to run it. Sure. And um, I've met with four or five guys, and uh, you know they're all big football fans. And I want to talk football, and and Jason Kadams came in and he said, you know, I don't really like football, and I don't really follow it that closely. Is that right? Yeah. And he said, he said, I I see this as a show about the things you're talking about, human beings. Um, and what I love about the pilot, you know, I'd done this pilot, is I, you know, I get the football and I appreciate it, but but my strength will be bringing humanity to it and bringing, um, trying to find the truth in those moments of, you know, moments of failure because, you know, Buzz Bissinger's book was about failure more more than more than victory, certainly. And then finding the grace and the nobility and the, the humanness in failure was kind of what I what I liked about the book, and Kadams was the one that, you know, demonstrated an understanding of that. And I think that's kind of a lot of what you're talking about. And the, just the way you also uh, kept the show alive, it just seemed that the 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 stars were very rarely aligned for this show. Yeah, it, we didn't. We just refused to quit. You know that when when the, because we suffered from you know ra- ratings from the get go, but we had such a rabid fan base and. You know the 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 interesting thing about television today is what you know with Hulu and with with um, TiVo and you know some other ways of recording shows. It's very hard to gauge how many people are ever watching anything. And we knew that more people were watching the show. We could tell just from you know I could tell from walking through an airport and the amount of encounters I had um, with people wanting to talk about the show and you know parents thanking me for giving them a way to talk to their children about sex or drugs or racism or you know any, any issues that. That you know, normal parents violence, have kids. Yeah. all sorts of uh, issues were raised yeah. in this television show through the prism of of a, a small town and and football and what football meant to this small town. How 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 many real life experiences were woven into this show? In, well, do you um, think? I mean, a lot. You know, the the main one being um, uh, quarterback getting paralyzed in the in the the very first show, which was based upon. Uh, you know, an experience that when we, I, I, something I experienced when we were making the film, uh, Friday Night Lights, we would film real high school football games. And we were in Austin filming a game between uh, Austin Westlake, which is a 5A powerhouse high school football team, and a team from um, San Antonio, San Antonio Madison. And in the fourth quarter of that game, a young cornerback, David Edwards, left his feet, lowered his head, and tackled a receiver, a kid named Koyani. And David Edwards shattered his two vertebrates in his neck and mm. became an instant quadriplegic. And that was a life-changing experience for me. And that was really what motivated the, the desire to make the television show. And you know, so the Jason Street storyline, a young quarterback the QB1. having QB1, having everything and, and shattering his neck was you know, all based on something that I had really seen and uh, has since become you know, a, a, a life-changing experience for me. Yeah, and you are, and you are. let's get to this right now then. Um, you, because we can revisit the, the battleship and the TV show in, in a minute. You are currently right now um, a, a part of a movement to, I guess, teach young kids, get them really early. Mm-hmm at the Pop Warner level, how to tackle. Yes. that That is one of the things that you were dealing with. Can you explain to people right. what this is all so, about? Here? So after I saw David Edwards, um, you know, break his neck, get paralyzed, and then eventually die at the age of 16, I became very uh, close with a group called Gridiron Heroes, which is out of Texas. Uh, it's a father-son, Chris and Eddie Canales. Chris Canales was paralyzed in high school, um, and, and he was from San Antonio, uh, also, and they've sort of made it their life's work to bring attention to the to catastrophic spinal cord injuries, and that's something I got very became very involved in, and met dozens of young high school age boys who've become quadriplegics from playing football. 
Um, and that then led to, they also work with concussions and people have suffered brain injuries. And uh, I couldn't be more, I guess, current topic no, in couldn't. the NFL it right couldn't. now. And so um, as my son, who's now 12 and a huge football fan, got closer to, you know, he'd been playing flag football, he got closer to the tackle level, and he finally said, okay, I'm ready, Dad, I want to play tackle football. I was literally paralyzed with indecision. And I couldn't, having seen so much, um, uh, uh, tra- tragedy, uh, spinal cord and, and concussion, concussive injury, whether it's Jim McMahon, um, uh, and, or, you know, or David Edwards, you know, I've seen so, so much of, of this, of, of, the, of this problem has, has really resonated personally to me. I, I was, I didn't know how I could let my son play football and, and I was not sure whether I was going to until I found out, uh, there was a guy named Bobby Hosea who is becoming more popular who, along with LeVar Arrington, are both have both kind of said, sort of said, "Look, we we feel that we there's no one single, you know, one single game changing solution to this problem. Uh-huh. But we but they felt that a big part of the solution is if you look at what's happening at the entry levels of USA football, Pop Warner football, you get eight year old kids who are being you know brought in. They want to play tackle football, and they have coaches who basically are you know." The, the requirements for being a coach today for peewee football is you get a fingerprint. If you don't have a felony, okay, you're in. You're you in. don't have to demonstrate anything other than, you know, you can love to play Madden and fantasy football. You have no felonies. You are now responsible for eight, nine, ten-year-old boys, and these kids have no fundamental training in the physics of how to tackle. So luck of the draw, whether you get a coach who knows what he is doing or yes. she is doing and or, or, or not. It's a complete random as long as they have no felony. That's correct. They're in. And parent, it, it's, you know, people have made the comparison. It's kind of like, okay, a kid goes and joins the army. There's no basic training. There's no boot camp. There's no weapons training. You join the army, you're given a gun, you're given a radio, a helmet, and you're fighting. Go. Go. And you know that, and and as a result, kids physically do not understand the, the mechanics of how to tackle. It's not that they're they're lowering their heads to be vicious. They're lowering their heads because it's easier for a young body to bend at the waist rather than dip at the hips. It's easier when a kid gets nervous to lower his head, and that's how the great majority of the concussions and spinal cord injuries are happening. People are lowering their heads. They're bending at the waist, and that's resulting in head first collisions. So, how do you make it a uniform? Across the country, codified right. system in which you know well, the well, guy is teaching your eight-year-old is a qualified coaching professional or amateur, at least. That we're way. working now with uh, the commissioner of the NFL, Roger and, Goodell, yep, the NFL's and his about. top boys, who are you know really are concerned about this. And I think that um, uh, the commissioner's the commissioner's heart is really in the right place, and everyone's looking for to do anything they can. Uh, to 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 start alleviating the pressure uh, from this problem, and what we're proposing uh, is is this year we're working with um, the NFL and USA Football to um, to start a program, and we're and we're going to start it small with uh, Strahan and Dion are kind of our ambassadors. That's a two pretty good and, ambassadors. And we're going to start with just just a few teams around the country, and we're going to train the coaches because the answer is not the kids; it's the coaches. It's teaching these coaches at a young age who are coaching kids at a young age how to teach the kids safe tackle techniques, what those safe tackle techniques are, and then mandate. It has to be mandated that if a kid, you know, what's amazing is these kids can be practicing for six hours a week. We want to to have the NFL and USA Football and Pop Warner mandate that 15 minutes of these practices are spent on teaching the kids drills so that their heads stay up and out of the tackle and to create starting at a young age. We feel that at this point, anybody that's playing from high school on that horse is out of the barn. It's gone, right? You're not going to yeah, exactly. You're not going to get the horse back. It's gone. But you get eight year old kids. You get kids my son's age uh, who, you know, he started playing when he was 10. He's learned the correct ways of tackling. He's been he's being brought up in a culture that's, you know, where kids are policing themselves. If a kid lowers his head, everybody stops and draws attention to it. And, you know, it's our belief that that not unlike uh, what, what Mothers Against Drunk Drivers was able to do, to create a culture where parents 
particularly mothers understand, okay, I'm going to let my kid play football, but I'm going to understand what's happening out on that field. So that if my kid gets, you know, in the middle of a peewee football game, suddenly someone gets hurt and my kid is playing free safety and he's never played free safety. And, you know, some fullback who weighs 140 pounds and my kid weighs 80 pounds comes charging up at him. My kid knows not to bend at the waist and lower his head. Mm -hmm. When everybody's screaming and yelling and his adrenaline's going, that my kid has been taught, given a fighting chance to to be able to lower and, and lower his hips, keep his head up, and make a violent collision. You know, we don't believe that this is going to diminish the violence at all. Well, I mean, safety first here. You know what I mean? Like, if 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 violence is taken out of the Pop Warner game, then so be it. The only question is 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 do you think if this does become uniform, see to shining sea, that it would make a difference? I do. I think that I think that it will be I think that will make a big difference. I still think you'll see concussions. There will be freak accidents, but you will create muscle memory in kids and the the amount of head lowering will will stop. You know, so so many of in in my opinion, we we do see spearing and and head hunting in the NFL. But a lot of times what people don't realize is people are lowering their heads just because it's just instinctive. I see it all the time. Crash position. Watch a football game. Watch how many times people just lower their heads. And if you get them at the age of eight, seven to learn how to keep their heads up to reinforce that, it won't happen. Look at how Deacon Jones and Ronnie Lott used to tackle. And we have Deacon Jones. um, we, We did a promotional video for this. Deacon Jones never lowered his head. And he would say he'd let you score a touchdown before he was going to put his head in the game. Deacon Jones didn't have any concussions. And he'll t- have you ever had him on? Of course. He's you the know. greatest. I mean, he's the greatest. Yeah. Is there a better interview? No. But watch his hits. He would maul people. He would smash people. Dick Butkus didn't do it. You know, it it's a newer phenomenon where people, these kids are getting violent and kids are lowering their heads. And we want to take that out of the game. No kidding. So you think, let's say it's 2012, you get the eight-year-olds now. Let's say your program is implemented in the the manner that you and everyone else involved with it sees fit. So we fast forward to 15 years from now. 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. You'll see, you'll, see, you'll see college football have fewer, and then you really believe there will be there could be a domino cascading effect. Yes, and I, I think it will be part of creating, um, you know, I, mean, I, I really liken it to drunk driving. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's insane the way people are lowering their heads and leading with their heads and playing football. It doesn't have to happen, uh, and it, it should stop. And the, the, the glorification of it should stop. The awareness of it should increase because half the time p- parents just don't know. They don't understand that their kid just lowered his head. They don't understand why their kid's lying on the field at the age 11, you know, groaning, seeing white flashes, you know, having a minor concussion at age 11. They, they don't understand what happened. Well, if you get every parent on both sides of a field understanding if, if a lowered head is is a mainly a danger to the kid lowering his head. So if you see a kid that makes some vicious head down hit and, and everybody's cheering this kid on, well, that kid, you know, nobody knows how close that kid came to something really serious happening. Well, but you know, and again, what, what the commissioner and everyone, uh, you know, in the players union that's trying to make the game safer, everybody involved, it, it, part of it's a culture issue. Because players don't even want to report that they've been dinged, blah blah blah, it goes on, you, you know, ad nauseum. What, what about though? You you've been to Texas, you've been to hotbeds, high school hotbeds. Do you think that there's a culture change that needs to happen in the stands as well in order to to have this happen? You know, it's not just the coaches. It's, yeah, but right? I, but I, mean, I think that this is part of it. So I say, if you create a, a a grassroots movement that starts with the coaches and then brings the parents awareness up. I mean, I guarantee you that I was, when I was at the uh, high school football game in Texas seven years ago, and I saw David Edwards get paralyzed, there were 50,000 people in that high school stadium. 50,000. 50,000. And those people, these are 50,000 rabid fans. Half had driven up two and a half hours from San Antonio, half were Austin fans. And these were, you know, as relentless a fan as you will find in America. Every one of them has changed their attitude about football, having seen that, that having experienced the sound. There was no ambulance there, and so it got dead quiet, and the only sound for 20 minutes was David Edwards' mother screaming. And it was oh 50,000, 49,999 people dead silent, and one woman, Faye Edwards, screaming until that siren finally started coming. And that siren got closer and closer and started to overpower Faye Edwards' sobs. No kidding, it, 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 And I... And so my point is, 
when people see it and understand it, the problem is just absolute ignorance. It's no different. Look, when I was, when I first moved to LA, I'd go out with my friends and have 10 bourbon Cokes, 10 Jack Daniel Cokes, and I'd get in my car and drive home. And nobody thought anything of it. We didn't live in a culture where drunk driving was, you know, no, you don't do it. You just don't do it. Today, nobody does that. And my my, oh, you know, your hope. well, I mean, compared to sure, I think that the the, the awareness has has, in, in my opinion, reduced the prevalence sure. of it. So, and what I think do, in football you could see a, a similar experience. So then, what do people do? Uh, a lot of people hearing this, watching it right now. Um, is there a website? Is there a way um, that people can get involved and, it, and, it, and go to their top Warner League and say, "Hey, I just heard, coming, I just heard about this." Um, or, right, right now you can go to Bobby Hosea's website, train them up. Uh, there's LeVar Arrington's got a, a great website where he's starting to teach safe tackling that and and soon um, our group heads up tackling mm-hmm. uh, will you know we expect that so we, we don't expect it to happen quickly mm-hmm. you know one of the challenges with football is that you can't get three coaches to agree on anything you know everyone knows it's like they're like boxing trainers <clears throat> all they know is their way is the right way and your way is the wrong way whatever it is so it's a process of getting everyone on the same page and, you know, agreeing that lowering the head, it's very simple, lowering the head is is wrong. And however you get a kid to, to keep his head up, and, you know, you and I were talking, you you have two sons. Yep. This is a decision you're going to have to make yep. quicker than you realize. You and your wife are going to sit there and decide, do you want your kid to play football? Or, you know what, maybe let's just let him play soccer. And if, if that happens, you know, my son plays lacrosse now, and those numbers on the West Coast are exploding. And lacrosse is a much more controlled game. It's a much less <clears throat> violent game. And there's no head-first hits in lacrosse. It's not tolerated. It's, you know, and there, there are plenty of good hits. Mm-hmm. And in, in, less, in less people, I'm, I believe parents start getting aware and, and involved in this at a young age, you're going to see, the, you know, the real threat is you're going to see a reduction of, of of the numbers of kids playing you know youth football and and um you know i i love football you know sometimes i forget to say that you know i'm you won't find a bigger football fan with me but i don't think you need to have these these we need to teach our kids it's not fair to our kids and i can just tell you that as a parent if you let your kid play football and god forbid something happens to your child that's something you will live with for your life every single day, mm-hmm. you know, and and I let my son play football and I watch him like, you know, viciously when he's playing and he knows if I see one head lowered head tackle, he's done. Yeah, off the field. You take him off the field. I'll take him off. And and he won't play. And and I live with this love of football and this fear of football. Um and um I think it's a parent's responsibility if at the entry level to make sure their kid is being taught the safe way to play football. Well, there's again, this is, couldn't be more of a of a current topic, and and again, uh, what what train them up is that what it is? Train them up. Well, train them up is on, yeah, on now. You can go on train train them up. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a website uh, that's Bobby Hosea, who's mm-hmm. a genius, right. and Lavar Arrington, who's you know, becoming making this a passion of his also. Um, I don't know what his site's called, but if you extreme precision, extreme precision, thank you. Yeah. Uh, either one though, they're both good. And like, I don't, I'm, I'm about, um, this is not about certainly mm-hmm. anybody, you know, I, I mean, I've talked to guys like Kevin Plank who owns Under Armour. Armour yeah. He wants to get involved. Nobody no. there's, there's, this is not about profit. This, you know, one of the, you know, when I, when I've gone to the NFL and talked to, um, uh, the commissioner's team about this. You can see the focus oh, and the no clarity. Question, there's, 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 there's no, nobody's BS in this. You know, one. a lot of people always accuse. And again, I, when I say this stuff, I, I, people might accuse me of being a corporate stooge. Obviously I'm an NFL employee and I, I've, I've been with NFL network for a while. Everybody there is wringing their hands over this issue at, at the league office in New York mm-hmm. and everybody. And, and there's no question when this reemphasis on on head hits that happened a couple years ago with that triple, um, uh, I guess incident uh, Sunday with James Harrison blowing up Muhammad yeah. Massaqua, the yeah. collision between Dante Robinson and and Deshaun Jackson, and then Brandon Merriweather essentially going top rope with his helmet off of over the top uh, of I forget which tight end he hit, but it's Todd Heap. Um, that. Saturday before was when Eric Legrand got paralyzed. 
on Rutgers, yeah. pretty much in the NFL home office's backyard. No doubt those issues are related. There's no question those no, issues absolutely. are related. And I mean, like, the, the other thing that I would do if I was a commissioner is I would be much, much more aggressive with repeat offenders. You know, if, well, about, I mean, the, those, fo- uh, I mean, he's pretty aggressive. No, I'd be more aggressive. I mean, I would expel people from the league. What do you I mean, would, kick them? I would kick them out of the NFL. Well, their livelihood, I mean, the union would definitely have a problem with I know that, they would, but I would say, I would give them four strikes. Four strikes and you're out. 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 You're done. I mean, it's Find actually, another line of work. Find another line of work. Permanently banned like Four, Pete Rose. If you can't control it, you have to be. You have to remove yourself. But, from they, the they, but players, even Dion will say, Dion, who is, again, as, as a great an advocate for what we're talking about as anybody else, he's one of your ambassadors. We had an, uh, an on-air live argument, actually, in our postgame last year in Pittsburgh when James Harrison mm-hmm. essentially eviscerated Colt McCoy mm-hmm. and said that Harrison, what is he supposed to do? McCoy's out of the pocket. He's running around. And McCoy actually is the one who, as he's going down, Harrison hits him. And there's nonstop gray area yeah. on this issue. I know. In the I, argument. I would argue that you could probably put a, a commission together, a pretty smart commission, would be able to determine whether a hit, a hit was controllable or whether a hit was just a, a football player making a decision to lower his head and take someone else's head off. And those are pretty obvious. We've, we all know when we're seeing that. Right. And football players are great athletes. And more times than not, they can control their body enough to at least not lower their head, to at least not aim high. And I think if, if, if a player is guilty of, of four infractions, I'd kick him out of the league. Hmm. And, and I say that as a human being who's seen players die. And I think that if you've seen it, your opinion is going to be slightly different. And God forbid um, it takes a, uh, an elite player. I know. Don't and, even say it. And, I, and, I mean, you know, that's the fear that, okay, if that's what it's going to take, um, you know, when an elite, if an elite player gets paralyzed, I, an elite player gets brain damage, it's going to be a, a game change. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, if you're interested, cheerful stuff, in, in, huh? No, no, but it, it, again, it couldn't be more current. It couldn't be more important. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, is there any chance Friday Night Lights gets back together? Movie? We're trying. Uh, Jason Kadams is writing a script now. We'll have to talk everyone into coming back in. You know, Kyle Chandler is is uh, is. Um, He's flown the coop. Well, he's big they, time. All, they're all big time. You know, they're all, all, yeah, of course. We had all these young actors who were just so honored to have the job at first. I can't even get them on the phone anymore. You know, they're all superstars. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we have an idea. We want to kind of do something based on uh, Mike Leach's history about where the coach gets kind of accused of something and falls from grace. And Coach, Mike, Chan- coach, coach, uh, coach, uh, coach uh, Taylor, Taylor will be that character. And uh, the Mike Leach story is something I've stayed very close to. Him. Yeah, we know that and for sure. Mike's someone I care about quite a bit. He, and, he had a cameo in a gas station, yes, one of the did. shows. He is that how you met him? Uh, on that yeah, or before? Well, I, I asked, I'd read about him and followed him and thought that he was one of the more interesting characters in the NFL. Character's so, a great way to put um, it. There's no have question. you ever had him on? No. I've not had him on. That you should. I highly recommend it. I don't know if I, I there is, uh, these interviews can, as you could tell, they can go yeah. for as long as possible. I, I don't even know if I'd have time for yeah. that. Well, he'll He's get definitely going. a character. You'll get your history on pirates. So, so you're saying, you're saying that there, there is a chance that we're going to, Con, I know Connie we're, Britton is a big time. Yes. I mean, you can we're, get them all. We're moving it. We're moving forward. Cause she's know. got, she, she is awesome. Yeah. She's a great girl and awesome. And you know, we want, we want to do it. It's just, okay. you know, we, Everybody wants to do a lot of things. So okay. if we can, we will. Please. I, I'm seriously. That is, I, I mean, my parents who were in their 70s watched it. Okay. So it, it, it was it was beyond the generations, even though, again, there's so much, you know, uh, current issues of the day that were being played out. Also, um, uh, me and my buddies, we would call each other. It was like a male soap opera. Like we would, we would truly call each other afterwards yeah. and say, is it okay that we we just cried, cried on a yeah, television yeah. show? I mean, for real. I know. We, those weird. would be experiences that I would have watching this I would this have program. the same ones. I would cry, and I knew what was happening, and I was involved in it, and I would, and it was usually uh, either uh, Chandler or Britton that would just get me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the moment where, where Connie Britton told him she was pregnant, and they there was a whole scene written out for them. And there was an unexpected pregnancy, and, and she was scared to tell him, and they were out on a balcony of a motel somewhere and i think in dallas and and they just looked at each other and, and i just the way they played that scene right. I was like, incredible 
Unbelievable. Yeah, cool. Um, and uh, Battleship opening May 18th, Battleship. 2012. Bring your family. Big, fun family entertainment. Excellent. Um, and uh, Rihanna? We got yeah, Rihanna. This, first he, movie. I, I couldn't believe that I was the first director to uh, get to get Rihanna. You know, that I got to be her first. Um, you know, people are like, well, how can you put Rihanna in a film? I'm like, you know, dude, Frank, Frank Sinatra won an Oscar for, from here to eternity. Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Whitney Houston and the Please. bodyguard. You know, the musicians make, I had great success with Tim McGraw in the movie Friday Night Lights. Sure. Uh, so Rihanna is... Anybody who ever Great. asks you that question again, Peter Berg, you bring them to me. <laughs> I will straighten them out. I, I put Rihanna laugh. in a movie. Are you, kid- are you kidding me? She is great. My three and a half year old is in love with Rihanna wow. right, right now. I mean, he 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 just, I mean, he cannot get enough It's of unbelievable. Her. her appeal, she casts such a wide net. Unbelievable. And I had Eli, Eli and Rihanna on SNL last week, so. That's I'm, right. I was, okay, yeah, was, Eli, Eli's your That guy, was the night sure. I saw you at, at uh, we were at a party, yeah. and I left early to go. To go watch that? To go watch that. Oh, good for you. And Brooklyn Decker as well. She's yeah, rough. No, She's no, rough on the eyes. On the eyes. I guess, yeah, I got Minka Kelly on a TV show, Brooklyn yeah. Decker Rihanna in a movie. And also, I, I have to also mention too, just again, just to show the how deep a person you are as well and how truly seriously you take uh, your job and, and your responsibilities and, and, and take advantage of them as well. You got Rihanna and Brooklyn Decker in a film that also includes somebody who is very important with the Army Wounded Warriors as yeah. well, right? Who did you cast? Uh, from? Uh, uh, colonel Greg Gatson, who's uh, still an active colonel in the military. He's He runs the basically the Wounded Warrior program. Uh, he lost his legs in Iraq in 2006. Um, he was a middle linebacker on Army's football team, incredible uh, football player. He's an honorary coach of the Giants. He's been give, he's given halftime locker room speeches sure. for both Super Bowls, and he's very close with the team. Um, I found him found first read about him in National Geographic. Did a great article on on him. Named Greg Gatson. and you know for me, um, without but Battleship's a fun film, and I don't I and he he has a fun role in it. But I do believe that we don't do a, a, enough to uh, we, we don't pay enough attention to our veterans in general, particularly from Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, from Iraq and Afghanistan. These guys are having a really hard time coming home, um, whether it's post-traumatic stress, whether it's injuries or whether it's just guys coming home and trying to reenter life after, you know, four tours in either Iraq or in Afghanistan, which and then trying to, you know, reenter life where 16 year old kids are honking them and flipping them off on the freeways. You know, it's. It's uh, it's just something worth paying attention to. I believe you know by hiring Greg, um, and getting you know putting a wounded veteran in the middle of a big summer action film. Um, I I enjoy Fantastic. you know bringing that subject up as much as possible. And also again, I don't know if you have a place to go, but no, uh, cool. this film is also starring the USS Missouri. Yeah, my mighty good Mo. God from from Pearl Harbor. Yeah. you you just. Please explain the opportunity, the rare, well, unique opportunity. We had an idea, Battleship, and one of the things people make fun of is there are no active battleships in the military anymore, and that's true. And that, so that was a valid question that was posed to me. How are you ever going to put a bet? And I was at Pearl Harbor, and I was touring these kind of modern or Aegis-class destroyers and these incredibly sophisticated 600-foot warships that are badass beyond belief. And anyone ever gets a chance to go check one out and meet the sailors that, that are on these ships, they're just ferocious pieces of machinery. But um, someone told me that the Missouri, which is retired, which was you know the most famous ship of, of all time, it's what Japan su- surrendered World War II on, it's been hit by numerous kamikazes, really the mighty Mo, the probably the most legendary ship uh, floating today. And someone told me the mighty Missouri was in dry dock getting, you know, repaired. She's part of a museum now. And, and did I want to see her? And that was an incredible opportunity. I'm like, of course I do. And I went and saw this thousand foot ship Monsters. completely out of the water, just naked, sitting there with these giant 16 inch guns. And, you know, and they were just and the, the guy who ran the, the museum was showing me the ship and he was giving me a tour. And I was looking at her. I'm like, well, how, what are you going to do when you're done fixing her up? And he's like, well, we're going to flood up the dry dock hook her up to some barges and tow her to the right back into Pearl Harbor to her, to where she's docked. I'm like, you're going to tow her to the right to Pearl Harbor. She said, yeah. And I looked to the left and it was the open ocean. <laughs> open water. And I said to him, I'm like, well, 
Let me ask you a question. Do you think you could just tow her out to the left and maybe do a lap and then bring her in? Because I'm thinking if I could get her out there, I could film her moving, and then I could give that to these geniuses up at ILM, the Great Effects House. And he looked at me like I was smoking everything. And he was like, sure, Pete, we'll just tow the Missouri out in the middle of the ocean for you, and, and you can film her and make it look like she's, sure, that's what we'll do. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, uh-huh. Three months later, that, that dude was on the deck with me, and the Missouri was a mile and a half out in the ocean, and he had tears pouring down his no question. And and the planes were coming into Honolulu Airport, and they were dipping their wings because they couldn't believe they were showing their pet. And um, so we were able I to get I got goosebumps hearing this, man. Yeah, I mean, that is and, awesome. And, you put the Missouri back in the water. And we had all these veterans. Some of these guys were in their 90s who had served on her, and they were crying. And they What do you mean? You, they were there? They were. Um, they all came out for this. To you know, once we got there, took actual a, Pearl, Harbor Pearl Harbor veterans, survivors, uh, veterans from the Missouri, guys who had served on the Missouri. on that ship. Yes, in you World gave War them II. a chance to get on that ship yes. again in and the then, open water. And then they act in the third act of the film. They no, come they do out not. When, well, we needed characters who knew how to run the Missouri, so we, you know, were able to bring these veterans. Dude. We flew about sixty of these guys. Some of them were well into their nineties, and they came out. And acted in the film, and they got to fight the ship and run around, and like the the excitement. This that, is like that, cocoon. That it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it really was. And that the, you know, um, I'm I'm an I'm an unabashed patriot, and I love the troops. And and I, you know, my politics aside, any opportunity I get to pay respect to anyone in the military. I know you had uh, Fitzpatrick on, yeah, mm-hmm. to, and he he does a lot for the for the troops, and. Um, uh, you know, Tom Coughlin, my coach, he does a lot for the troops. And, and to be able to get these old guys mm-hmm. to come back and to tell the stories, and they weren't boring stories, and they weren't uh, tedious stories. And these guys had such fire in their eyes, and they were running around the Missouri fighting that ship. And you'll see they're a big part of the movie. So that was kind of awesome. I love it, Peter Berg. I love yeah. the way your mind works, yeah. man. You look at a, 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 a board game that's been there for 85 years, and this is the stuff you come up with. I can't wait to see it. It uh, opens May 18th, 2012. Battleship, Liam Neeson, Taylor Kitsch, Riggins, uh, Alexander Scar... Uh, Scarsgard. Yeah, Scarsgard, right? Rihanna, Brooklyn Decker, and Landry, Jesse Plemons, just the people who are on there, too. <laughs> Please make Friday Night Lights come back. All right, That's all I could say. That's all I could say. Peter Berg, right, thank you. Thank you. You are the man. That's Peter Berg on the Rich Eisen Podcast. What a fantastic chat. Maybe an all-timer for the podcast. Yeah, that might be replacing uh, Larry David. Uh, well, I mean, they're two my... different. Th- I think it's two apples totally and oranges. Yeah. But good luck, Chris Brockman, cutting that up for television. Well, I think we're going to go luck. bonus That's why online. I get paid the big bucks, Rich. Bonus online for this Bonus one. online yeah. f- for the uh, television version? It was good enough. I mean, a lot of good stuff in there, man. He actually has me excited for Battleship the movie now. How cool is that that he gave a chance to 90-some-odd-year-old veterans of the USS Missouri, a chance to be on that ship again in the open sea. Oh, yeah. Think about that. There is no way any of those veterans who have survived that horror and 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 have lived this long ever thought they'd be back on that ship in the open water again. I can't those guys must be going through. Holy when that smokes. And he flew, he flew a good amount of them from the mainland back, back to Hawaii. Oh, sure. Too. Um, I mean... I don't. I can't imagine a lot of them live there or have the means no. to get there just yeah. at the drop of a hat. No. That, that, wow. That was great. Holy I wonder smokes. what those phone calls must have been like. Well, but the the, the amount of of production that must have taken to yeah. make that happen. Holy smokes! Wow. I can't wait for the Friday Night, Light, Night Lights movie. If too. that happens, if they do it. Wow. Well, I mean, it takes a script, and then it takes obviously heaven and earth to getting all those schedules right. together. Right. But if you get the coach and you get and you get if you get Kyle Chandler and you get Connie Britton, then I think everybody you, falls into place. I mean, you'd think, that. you'd think. Yeah. I mean, you get you get Minka Kelly. That's the third phone call, or it could be the first. Or the first. What, what, we could get we could get our podcast guest Wilma Valderrama. <laughs> we can uh, get him on the horn. Dan Patrick was so upset with me that I did not ask Wilma Valderrama about Minka Kelly. See, I didn't know they were dating at the time. Or else no, I, 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 I knew. Know, I just, you but you know, we're away. not TMZ. I don't here. pay attention to it. Yeah, that's no. we're not TMZ. We're a here. football program. But how great was that oh, with yeah. Pete Berg? I got into Friday Night Late Lights in the third season, and oh, I, wow, I really? burned through the first two or the yeah. first three on DVD and uh, 
about four days. That's I w- great. I will make this argument to anyone who will listen to me, which isn't that many, but the pilot for Friday Night Lights is one of the greatest TV episodes yeah, ever, sure. all time, it across yeah, whatever show. Well, and, and I did not know that the the uh, character of Jason Street had a real life inspiration. No, me neither. Did yeah. not know that. He told me off the air after the interview, Peter Berg, that that, uh, that poor high school kid who was the inspiration for the character, did he passed away. Yeah. He didn't live yeah. like Jason Street and, and uh, you know, become a dad. And Sports Wow. Agent. That's it for this podcast. That was awesome. That was awesome Fantastic. for Pete Berg. And please go see uh, Battleship. It opens May 18th at a theater near you. And um, download the uh, Larry Fitzgerald Ben Roethlisberger edition. From yes, earlier please. This week. From earlier this week, do that. And we're going to Dallas. Here, me and you, Chris Law, going to Dallas. We're going to hang out with the '92 championship uh, team of the Dallas Cowboys. That's getting back together for Emmett Smith's charity golf tournament to celebrate the 20th anniversary of their first Super Bowl win. 20, 20 years. freaking years. I can't believe that was 20 years ago. Wow, oh, man. And uh, I'm emceeing it, and um, honored to have been asked, and. Um, and and my my honorarium, I waive my honorarium in 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 lieu of a sit down podcast chat with the triplets, me yep. me Emmett, Irvin, Aikman. A lot of good names there too from outside of. the Oh Cowboys yeah, he's family. got Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson. They're all coming back. Yep, Mark so, Allen, Barry Sanders will be there. That's next next week. Yep, podcast. Thanks for listening to this one. This was awesome. Peter Berg, again, see his movie, Battleship, uh, May 18th, 2012. You can follow at Battleship Movie on Twitter as well, right? Correct. Uh, at Chris underscore Brockman. You got it. At Topher Law, T-O-P-H-E-R Law. You say that with Dude, such disappointment. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> Brand yourself. I told that to Schefter. Schefter, when he started Twitter, he had some sort of cockamamie name like Chef Special, which is what his name of his column was at the Michigan Daily when we worked together there back in the day at Michigan. I'm like, dude. Adam Schefter. He's like, it's already taken. Adam underscore Schefter. He went with until he got so big time at the Worldwide Leader that somebody stomped on that one. We need to have the people from Twitter on the show and then get them to free up my name. Uh, And free up mine, too, because the guy's been squatting. You can still hang on with Chris underscore Brockman. You (laughs) can still hang with that. that. Everything's going to be. Do you want to give an international shout out? Oh, I can give an international shout out of the week. It's so popular. It's so popular. This week's international shout out of the week. You know, last week we kept it in the North America family and we went Mexico. Right. We're going to again. Keep it in the. Inter- I mean, what do you mean it's not international? Anything outside of the United States? Is yeah, you need a passport to get there, bro. That's you need true. a passport to go everywhere. This week's international shout out: our brothers to the north, Canada. Very well done. Very well done. That's it for the Rich Eisen podcast. Uh, please again go to richeisen.nfl.com. We're still gonna we're gonna keep this promotion going. Yeah, when um, we get back from Dallas, I think. Yeah, well, we're gonna figure something out. Uh, we're, I think later this month. We haven't pegged a date just yet, but if you, we're, we're gonna give away a spot on this podcast. Go to richeisen.nfl.com to see how you can get a spot on this podcast. And uh, that's it for this show. Thank again to Pete Berg. Thanks to you, you, uh, uh, Chris's, Brockman, and Law. Thank you, Rich. And Sarah Young on the other side of the glass, making sure we sound great. Thank you. Rich Eisen, signing off. Stay listening, friends.